0: It hit me like our Indigenous students do so much to have to just be present in the classroom, whether that's getting in a horse-drawn wagon and and then running, you know, part of the way and then getting in another wagon to be at school. It hasn't changed, you know, Mm -hmm. since then.
1: Welcome to part one of our exciting three-part season one finale of An Unconventional Teacher. Thank you so much for the support you've given our show over the past 17 episodes, and we could not be more excited to share with you these last three. If you don't know about us, we are a growing community of unapologetically unconventional educators seeking to throw out the old playbook of education and usher in a new, engaging, dynamic paradigm in education for the sake of our students and our communities. Thanks for tuning in today. I guarantee that you will not only learn from our extraordinary and unconventional guest Lynette Stant, but you will also feel inspired and moved by her story she tells along the way. Lynette earned the honor of 2020 Arizona Teacher of the Year and was the first indigenous woman, she's Navajo, to earn that award. Finally, Lynette's classroom is a dynamic and unconventional and super fun place to be. She gives us a window into her classroom in this interview and emphasizes that she is always ensuring that there are three qualities in her classroom at all times. Beauty, peace, and balance. Thanks for tuning in today. We're going to get right into our episode. Now let's begin. Okay, folks, welcome back to another episode of An Unconventional Teacher. You have to stick around for this episode, folks. We have an amazing opportunity to learn from an all-star unconventional educator, Lynette Stant. Um, She is the 2020 Arizona Teacher of the Year and the first indigenous woman to earn that Extraordinary honor. We are so excited to have you here, Lynette. I'm going to tell our listeners a few things about you that I learned as I've been doing research about you and snooping around the internet, um, and, and really becoming one of your one of your biggest fans. Um, right now, you have over 30 students. 38 is is what I I, I read. Um, that lovingly call you Mrs. Stant. Um, You are a Navajo, uh, and you believe that your primary role or one of your primary roles is that your students have a mirror in you, that they see um, their culture, that they see something reflected in in them, uh, in you, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, You teach in the Salt River Elementary, uh, and that's in Salt River, uh, Pima, Maricopa, Indian community. And yes. like most dedicated educators, um, you often work past that last bell, right? Even some of your students reciting that you're there late and you're investing <laughs> uh, beyond anything that anybody's paying you, which shows you in and of itself your passion for what you do. So thank you for that. Um, thank and you. Yeah, beyond that, you're constantly learning from your students and you're constantly learning about how you can give a platform for uh, Indigenous educators and young students, as well as students in rural situations, and give them the same equitable education that others are uh, receiving in maybe a private school setting or, or a more, more affluent setting. So thank you for all that work. Thank you for being here. And I'm going to send it over to you. Is there anything that I missed in our introduction? And can you also let us know why you teach? What what inspires you to teach?
0: Absolutely. Thank you, John, for having me today. I am so honored to be here. Um, My name is Lynette Stant. Um, I used to be Lynette Charlie uh, only three years ago. And so I'm newly married. Uh, I'm going to introduce myself in my native language, and um, I'll talk a little bit about my introduction when I'm done yeah uh, so I just introduced myself in Navajo I said hello um, my name is Lynette Stant, and I and I I identified myself with my four clans and so the Diné clan system um, allows me to connect with other indigenous um people out there and um, make a, a connection, um, you know, seeing if we're related or not. And, and, and that's really important because um, we are centered on kinship and when we think about my Dine culture. Um, I'm also going to introduce myself in my students' language. You, you know, you mentioned that I do teach on the Salt River Indian Reservation mm-hmm. and they they speak um, them So, I'm going to uh, just introduce myself in Otham. Hello, um Ani Mrs. Stant. And so I just said my name is Mrs. Stant. Um, and I try to do that, you know, frequently be- to honor the students and mm-hmm. the community in which I work in. And I've been working there for the past 15 years. Mm. And so um, that is me as a woman, as you know, um, as an educator. Um, you mentioned that I was Arizona's 2020 Teacher of the Year, yes. and I am the first Indigenous woman to hold this title in our state. And wow. you know, and it's a 37-year history. So to be in this place is really uh, has been a tremendous honor for me.
1: Congratulations!
0: Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, when you invited me here, I was really intrigued with the, the title unconventional. And so, <laughs> and, and one of the reasons I was intrigued is because that really is a word that describes my journey as an indigenous educator. It Great. really has been unconventional when you think in terms of, um, uh, a European educational system. Um, you know, I t- I've on this journey. I've told people repeatedly that I try to teach through a cultural lens and use my own experiences as a Diné woman. I try to use those experiences when I'm inside my classroom and mm-hmm. and share with my students.
1: How do your students receive that? Your students look at you with a sense of wonder and curiosity and love and compassion and empathy. And um, that is reflected by the teacher, right? That starts with the teacher.
0: I, I teach from, you know, I said I teach from a cultural lens and I really think about how I've grown up as a, as a Dene woman. And one of the things that my own parents instilled was what you put into the universe is exactly what you get back. Wow. And so, and it was in their talk was really about balance. You know, how are you um, walking through this journey of life? In balance, you know, and, and staying in harmony, and so as an educator, I call it my I call it my Hajo model, and uh-huh. basically, Hajo means beauty, it means balance, it means peace, and so I really, when I enter my classroom, I really think about those words. And, you know, whether it's from a social or emotional setting, or whether it's from an environmental perspective, mm-hmm. how am I ensuring that there's beauty in my classroom and peace in my classroom mm-hmm. and balance in my classroom? Because, you know, working in an Indigenous community, I really have to take into respect where my students are coming from mm-hmm. and what, and, and, and when you talked about a mirror, they are my mirror. The students mirror back to me what I was as a student okay. and the community in which I grew up in. And so we're not any different. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up in northern Arizona, they're here in Southern Arizona, but the idea of family is is really similar. And the idea of community is really similar. So I try to take that and use those ideas um, within my classroom
1: right that's fantastic so let's talk a little bit more about that if you don't mind
0: absolutely i think in order to understand the way in which i teach we have to go back several years and and talk about the evolution of my teaching and it really was built upon the foundation of um, me as as an indigenous child Uh and what it took to be in school and so I'm going to t- I'm going to tell you a little story, quick story okay. about my father. My father went to, um, was raised. His educational journey started when he was um, about ten years old, and he went to boarding school. Mm-hmm. And so, in order for my dad to physically be at school, he had his parents had to um, load him in the horse wagon, and they would drive um, on in in wagon about um six six miles and then my dad and his brother would get out of the wagon and they would run the rest of the way to the trading post
1: oh my gosh! where
0: they would wait for the school wagon to come get them and then they would ride to um school and my dad said that they were there the entire year they didn't get to go home and um my grandmother and uh, my, my paternal grandmother um would prepare for them, um, by weaving rugs. She was a weaver and wow. she would weave, um, and her specialty was saddle blankets. So she mm. would read weave saddle blankets and she would take them to the trading post and sell them. And the money she would get from the rug, she would give each of her sons a quarter and they would, that would have to last them the entire school year,
1: the whole school year,
0: the whole school year. Wow. And so when my dad was telling me this, when I was, um, a college student, you know, we were standing on top of a mesa looking over the area, he was showing me where he was born because he was born in a hogan, that hogan's no longer there, but he was showing me the landscape in which he was born and, and how he was raised as a young child herding sheep. It hit me like our Indigenous students do so much to have to just be present in the classroom whether that's getting in a horse-drawn wagon and 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 then running you know part of the way and then getting in another wagon to be at school it hasn't changed you know Mm. since then Mm. um some of the 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 you know in the midst of this pandemic right the inequities have definitely been spotlighted on marginalized communities and so you know we re, I've, I've read about and I've actually met students who literally are trying to sign into class from a cell phone on top of a Mesa because that's where they can catch a oh cell, catch cell service where
1: they can get service.
0: Right. And so we have um, these wonderful beautiful parents who are setting up little classrooms on top of heels, building Uh. little um, cement walls so that the wind, it breaks the wind from their student. And they, you know, moms are sitting on top of these hills with with their students so that they can sign into school.
1: So that they can go to school.
0: So they can go to school. Uh And so that seems so foreign to, you know, people who don't have those issues, who don't, who've never faced those inequities. And you know, Salt River is situated in the midst of you know Phoenix and right. Mesa and Tempe and
1: millions of people
0: Scottsdale, yeah. Mm. But if you drive onto the reservation, it's um, it's so serene and it's so peaceful. And it definitely reminds every time I go to Salt River, it reminds me of home, driving mm. back home because it's the the chaos of the city disappears, you know, and that, and now you're where there's just open fields and you mm. know, it's it's so peaceful. But my students same this, face the same inequities, you know, that big digital divide. In right. order for us to be online, we had to ensure all our students had, you know, the capability of being online. And right. that took some planning and that took some time and effort from, you know, and big coordination between a lot of people. Sure. And so, you know, we had to make sure they had the the technology, as well as the ability at home, Wi Fi and hotspots, and you know, all of that in order to get even to where we are today.
1: Just to be at school.
0: Just to be at school. Yeah. And so, as an educator, being unconventional meant I had to meet parents where they are, mm-hmm. I had to reevaluate what my expectations were as a teacher. And it really pushed that idea of social emotional learning to the forefront because okay. not only were my students having to um, worry about how they were gonna get into school, but they were also dealing with the issues at home, trying to, you know, a lot of them had members who did get COVID and mm. it is it is not a secret that COVID has ravished indigenous nations across our country Mm. because the infrastructure wasn't even established for good health care at that time
1: in the first place
0: in the first place exactly
1: oh my gosh well thank you for for those visuals um the inequities that are uh, existing in our rural communities, our uh, Indigenous communities are—I don't think—really talked about. At least in in my mm-hmm. circle, I, I teach in a in a smaller community where we have a lot of folks um, with financial needs, um, socio-emotional needs. Um, I know anxieties and depression and sometimes even worse are heightened, um, but certainly not some of the stuff that you were talking about. But we end each of our podcasts with another story. And um, could you end our, our podcast with a, a story here, Lynette?
0: Absolutely. And, and it's, a, it's a story about connection and the value that, a, that the connection that a student and teacher have. Um, I had a student before we moved into this pandemic, who had attendance issues. And, um, you know, at day 10, we drop students from from attendance roles if they are not present. And he would show up on like day nine. <laughs> and um, But when he showed up, he wasn't prepared socially or emotionally for school. He would come in and literally wreck havoc um you know he would push thefts around he would you know refuse to engage in in our learning activities he would um oh it was tough tough and really tried me as a teacher
1: yes
0: and so one day he had literally knocked everything off the shelves he had pushed his desk to literally the corner of the room he didn't do any work and so i thought well you know what you're going to come in at recess and you're going to spend recess with me so i i told him to go get his lunch and to come back to the room and when he came back into the room i had um uh, another teacher in my room who needed to speak to talk to me and so i put him on hour of code website and I said mm-hmm. can you just uh, do this and I just briefly went through some um a really quick tutorial with him and I said cuz I need to meet with miss so right. and so and he's like yeah and so he was you know he got on the hour of code and our conversation my conversation with the other teacher finished and I went back and I sat down I took out my lunch and I sat down next to him and yeah. and I was like wow you already finished that program oh, wow. and what I found out about him was he had a brilliant brilliant mathematical mind, which I wasn't able to assess because of his attendance issues. Right. And so as I sat there, you know, talking to him, I was like, Oh my gosh, this kid is brilliant. And so, Hmm. you know, it made me reflect as a teacher and really think about, you know, how am I, how am I challenging this student? And, you Mm -hmm. know, is he, is he acting out, out of boredom? And, you know, so and then he was you know gone for the next 9 days and then would come back on the 10th day and you know the cycle continued and, and and every time he did come back i made him spend his lunch with me huh. and then his attendance, pretty soon he was there the next day and the huh. next day but he always came at lunchtime with huh. his lunch tray and 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 you know his his behavior didn't change i mean it was still tough mornings were tough yeah and um there was times I would literally uh (laughs) you know I would need to take a break because it was it was draining it was emotionally draining for me as a teacher well anyway I finally sat down and I said hey I'm really glad you love to come eat lunch with me but I have a question like why do you make mornings so tough Mm -hmm. but yet you come back every day and we have this beautiful lunch together and it's like none of the morning existed Mm. and he looked at me and he said Mrs. Stant it's because you cut my apples nobody's ever cut my apples for me oh my goodness ever and I looked at him and you know, definitely he didn't, not only did he touch the teacher heart of me, but also the mama heart of me. And I sure. realized that some of our kids come to school just needing us to nurture them. They mm-hmm. need that social emotional connection to us. And I was putting that colonial idea of education in front of his needs. Right. Right and it took me back it really made me ah. step back and reevaluate how i connect with students and so he taught me a lot and he's he's now i think he's probably in let's see he might be in 7th grade now okay but middle school He still, my my husband's a police officer. If he sees my husband in the community, um, he will stop my husband and make my husband call me. Oh, wow. So that he could talk, so he can talk to me.
1: That is beautiful.
0: And so, you know, being an unconventional teacher has allowed me to connect to students in ways that I never could have.
1: That's an incredible, incredible story. I was getting chills just consistently down my, my spine hearing that motherly connection, the nurturing connection that he needed. Um, I've had students like him, um, and it, nothing drives you more up the wall than that—that that, uh, physical uh, rampage. You know what is going on day in day out, taking every student o- away from their learning opportunities, and the solution is never what we think it is. Right. Uh, sometimes, sometimes it's that they need you to cut their apples. Um, Right. So we're we're gonna um, close our our interview here. Again, I wish I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours. What a beautiful classroom, um, a beautiful educator you are. And uh, this is definitely a window into one of the many reasons or a few of the many reasons uh, your honor uh, sticks and uh, is absolutely well-deserved. It was a pleasure having you on our show. We appreciate you so much for coming on. I hope you have a fantastic day and a great 2021.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for inviting me.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of An Unconventional Teacher. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed producing it. This is a project to pay it forward to the teachers and educators out there seeking something different. If you are or have someone in your world that is an unconventional teacher, please send their name to anunconventionalteacher at gmail.com and we can work to get them on this show. Also, please join us on Instagram and Twitter at anunconventionalteacher and be a part of our growing movement to embrace the different. As I tell each and every one of my classes I teach at the end of our time together, Vive como si fuera su ultimo día. Live like it were your last day. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time.